welcome back to What Happened, True Crime Chronicles. This is episode 10, and today we're going to be discussing the case of Casey Anthony and her two-year-old daughter, Kaylee Anthony. This case has haunted me ever since it happened. There are very few cases that have affected me as much as this one. And I knew when I started this podcast that this case would be an episode, possibly more than one episode. There's just so much information tied to it. This case was tried mostly on circumstantial evidence, but there was so much circumstantial evidence that it's hard to believe that anyone except Casey Anthony committed this crime. In a crueler twist of fate, for poor little Kaylee Anthony, who never got any justice, her killer has walked free with no accountability at all for all of these years. Do you remember the O.J. Simpson case? Sure. O.J. was tried for the horrendous murder of his ex-wife and her friend, Ron Goldman. Then he was tried and found not guilty by a jury. Who killed Nicole Brown Simpson? We know who did. We knew then, and we know now. And we know who killed two-year-old Kaylee Anthony. This case made the headlines back in the summer of 2008. The first thing I remember hearing was that a little toddler, Kaylee Anthony, was missing. When all the information started coming out about this case, I was more and more shocked by the day. Um, Little Kaylee Anthony was from Florida. She was reported missing by her family and reported to have last been seen about a month prior. The first thing I felt was confusion about the timeline. Why, if a toddler was gone for a month, did the family just now report her missing? You would know that your two-year-old is gone before a month, right? What? What am I missing here? It was also being reported that Cynthia Anthony, Casey's mother, was the one who called 911 about not having seen Kaylee for a month, not Casey, the child's mother. And Cindy initially blamed her own daughter for having had something to do with what happened to Kaylee. The 911 call is public record now, and I've heard it many times. Actually, the day that this all went down, Cindy called 911 three different times. And even though her mom supported her during the entire trial, she was as far from supportive as it gets in those phone calls. We will talk about and play phone call number three a little later. That 911 call was probably the most honest thing I've heard yet from the Anthony family regarding this crime, and I'm glad it was played in court for the entire world to hear. Before it was all over, Kaylee was indeed found, and her mom, Casey Anthony, was charged with murder. We all waited every day, hoping for the best then just hoping that she would be found at all. Her killer didn't go very far to hide her little body. When she was finally found, she was found less than half a mile from her home, in a wooded area literally walking distance away. I remember hearing that human remains had been found very close to the Anthony family home in Orlando, Florida. Was I surprised to hear this? No. Disappointed. But not surprised. Kaylee Anthony was born August the 9th in 2005 in Orlando, Florida. 
Her mother, Casey Anthony, was only 19 years old and still lived at home with her parents, George and Cindy, in Orlando. We still don't know who Kaylee's father was. Casey has told so many lies about this and everything else that we will likely never know. I do wonder now, though, if Kaylee's father ever knew that he had a beautiful, sweet little girl. Probably not. No father was named on the birth certificate, and Kaylee has told, sorry, Casey has told varying stories about this person, from not knowing who it is, because she got drunk at a party some random night, to Kaylee's father had died in a terrible accident. I believe she said it was a car accident. Uh, all the same, the identity has never been established. Long before Kaylee was born and impinging on her mother's precious social life, Casey was lying about her. In fact, she lied about her very existence while she was pregnant until she could lie no longer. According to family members of the Anthony family, while Casey was pregnant, she continually denied being pregnant to her parents and everybody else. Even while she was clearly showing and getting into the third trimester of her pregnancy. At a family event, it's reported that around that time that she was very pregnant, her and her parents went to a family event. Apparently she wasn't even invited to this event, but she came anyway. And her parents and her both all denied that she was pregnant. Um, apparently, a lot of people at the party could see that she was. It was pretty evident to everyone there, including a lot of family members, that she was pregnant. Um, some of them commented on Casey being pregnant, said they didn't know she was. And although it was said that her mother was vehement that Casey told her she wasn't pregnant, just putting on weight. Either Cindy was in denial or Cindy knew and was in on it or Cindy was just blindly not seeing what everybody else could see. You will see that time and time again in this case that Cindy puts on horse blinders a lot when it comes to her daughter. Really, there's only one time when she doesn't, when she's looking at the truth, truthfully, and that's the night of the 911 calls. By all accounts, Casey did not really want to be a mother. Uh, after she became a mother, she went out as much as she could and she pawned her daughter off on her parents as often as she possibly could. I read that Casey's mother, Cindy, even wanted custody of Kaylee. Um, as Kaylee was not being a stable or fit mother in little Kaylee's life, but that Casey refused to give her parents any parental rights or custody of Kaylee. It turns out that Casey would likely rather kill her daughter than allow her to be raised by her mother. There was a lot of um, acrimony between Casey and her mother. A lot of people said that. Uh, people that knew Casey, family, friends. So back to the case. Kaylee was last seen by her grandparents, that would be Cindy and George, on June the 16th, 2008, although it isn't clear the exact date that she was killed. But there are no other witnesses who acknowledge seeing her after this date. In the days when we now know that Kaylee was dead, but Casey admitted, even at that time, to knowing that she was at the very least missing, Casey exhibited some extremely troubling and pretty suspicious behavior. 
The entire timeline of these events came out in the trial, and we will get into it here as it's very, very important to how the crime was committed and then covered up. Casey also goes missing. Uh, she has last heard from her parents on June the 16th, the same day they see Kaylee last. Although no one files any missing persons reports, it does seem like her parents knew that she was just avoiding them and probably, you know, not calling them back maybe purposely. During the time she is missing, she's actually crashing at friends' houses, drinking, partying, etc. Not looking for her missing toddler, not worrying about her missing toddler, not even mentioning to these friends that she's staying with and her new boyfriend that her daughter has been kidnapped or is missing. But she does continue to drink and party and go out to bars and clubs and get tattoos just like any other parent of a missing toddler, right? Let's talk a little bit about the timeline of the events that led to the discovery of Kaylee Anthony. Even though Casey lived with her parents, she claimed that she worked in Jackson at Universal Studios and was at that time going back and forth a lot, but mostly staying there for long periods of time. I think her parents thought she had an apartment or something there. After not seeing or hearing from their daughter or granddaughter for about a month with repeated attempts by the Anthonys, something happens that starts the whole chain of events that leads to Casey Anthony being arrested. George Anthony, that's Casey's dad, gets a notice in the mail stating that a vehicle registered in his name has been found abandoned and is in an impound lot in Orlando and needs to be claimed. Now this is the car that his daughter, Casey, drove. Casey, who has gone to work in Jackson and hadn't been heard from in a month. This is the first event in a series of events that would result in George's daughter being arrested for the murder of his granddaughter. George goes to get the car from Impound, his daughter's white Pontiac Sunfire. A note about George for a moment. George was a former police officer. That's what George did for a living. For many years, he has been to many crime scenes. I say this so that you have this background when you hear what I'm about to say next. According to George, when he got to the car, and now him and Cindy actually went out to pick up the car, within feet of it, he smelled a terrible odor that he definitely recognized from his days in the force. This is according to George. As he got closer to the car and actually opened up the door, he almost got sick. He states that he recognized the smell as the smell of decomposition of human remains. He says that when he smelled this terrible smell, he brought it up to the attendant who was there, who also smelled it, and as did Cindy, who was also there. George was reportedly so afraid to open the trunk due to the smell and the time period since having seen his daughter and granddaughter last, that he asked the attendant to be present when he opened the trunk as a witness. Once he opened the trunk, the smell was definitely worse, but the only thing in the trunk was a half of a bag of garbage with some stale pizza slices and other various assorted garbage in there. Nothing that really should give off that kind of a smell. No decaying meat, nothing like that. It wasn't the stale pizza that George smelled. When the couple got the car home, in suspicion, 
Cindy started looking around in the car. Inside the car, Cindy found Casey's purse. Finding this strange, she checked in the purse. Inside Casey's purse was a piece of paper with a phone number on it for Casey's friend Amy. Cindy called the number and asked Amy if she knew where Casey was. She started complaining to Amy that she hadn't seen Casey or her granddaughter in a month. Amy agreed to take Cindy to Casey, who was staying at another friend's house named Tony. Tony was Casey's new boyfriend. During the ride, Casey's mom told Amy that Casey had been caught stealing money from her grandmother and various other concerning things. Seems like she was offloading to Amy a little bit, maybe venting a little bit in anger and frustration. I think she kind of wanted an ally in this as well, it seems like. So on the way to Tony's, Tony was an on-again, off-again boyfriend of Casey's. When they finally um, found Casey at Tony's, Cindy showed up and she would not leave without Casey coming with her and Casey agreeing to take her to Kaylee. Casey kind of has no choice but leave um, as this is kind of an embarrassing situation for her. So the two women leave Tony's. They start driving around, according to Cindy. Cindy is basically interrogating Casey about the whereabouts of Kaylee at this point. Casey would not tell her mother anything other than Kaylee was fine. After arriving back at the Anthony family home, Casey's brother Lee arrives. He lives down the street, and they all try to get Casey to tell them where Kaylee is. Exasperated, Cindy places her first phone call to 911. This is July the 15th, 2008. Cindy calls 911 and reports the following, and this is verbatim. Cindy, I have somebody here who needs to be arrested in my home. The operator, are they there right now? I have a possible missing child, says Cindy. I have a three-year-old who has been missing for a month. A three-year-old? Have you reported that? Says the 911 operator. I'm trying to do that now, says Cindy. Okay, what did the person do that you need arrested? Says the operator. Cindy, my daughter, the operator. For what? Cindy, for stealing an auto and stealing money, Cindy explained. I already spoke to someone who said they would patch me through to the Orlando Sheriff's Department and have a deputy here. I was in the car and I was going to drive her to the police station and no one is open. They said they would bring a deputy to my home and when I got home to call them. The operator. So she stole your vehicle? Cindy. Yeah. The operator. When did she do that? Cindy. On the 30th. I just got back from the impound. I'd like to speak to an officer. Can you have someone come out to my house? Okay, okay, says the operator. I've got to ask these questions so I can put them in the call, okay? Okay, says Cindy. The 30th of June, the operator confirmed? Yes, says Cindy. Okay, how old is your daughter, says the operator. 22, says Cindy. The operator, okay, what's her name? Cindy, my name? The operator, her name. Cindy, her name? Casey Anthony, C-A-S-E-Y. At this point, Cindy gets off the phone after a few more minutes of describing her missing granddaughter. 
then her and Lee continue to question Casey. Casey eventually tells her mom and brother that Kaylee has been kidnapped and was taken over a month ago by the nanny, Zaneda Gonzalez. She tells them that the last time she has seen Kaylee was 31 days ago. Shocked, Cindy calls 911 back again. This is Cindy's frantic second 911 call. Actually, this is the third 911 call, at the second one from her house after talking again to Casey. 31 days ago. Yes, Casey. Why didn't you call 31 days ago? I think that's the most shocking bit about the entire thing, right? You can hear and feel the desperation and frustration in Cindy's voice during that call. I think that tape is pretty disturbing. Um, After this emotional call, the police show up at the Anthony home and they begin to realize that this is just the tip of the iceberg. This case is not at all what it seems. That wraps up part one of the shocking case of Casey Anthony. Please join me for the next installment of What Happened? True Crime Chronicles, where we will discuss the rest of the case of little Casey Kaylee Anthony and her mother, Casey. Thank you so much for listening. Please share and like and listen some more to my podcast.